Welcome back to A Bevy of Bloods as we're here to celebrate another milestone with the girls winning their very first final in only their second year. Let's ride the emotions together. Let's enjoy the moment that will never, ever be replicated. Let's enjoy the girls' win over the Suns in the 2023 elimination final. First happens once. So fluff up those tail feathers and settle in for potentially and probably biased down about all things to do with our beloved Bloods. Okay, Swans fans, we are here to rejoice. Final season for the AFLW. Girls get a win, and we have the ultimate team here with me, Polly and Steve-O. Welcome back to the party, friends. It's great to be back. Yeah, good to be here. What a what a win. What a win indeed. Polly and I were lucky enough to be up there, Steve-O. We're still buzzing a bit. Uh, it was pretty, pretty special, but... Look, let's get stuck into the game details and we'll go from there. So last Saturday, uh, Sydney Swans defeated Gold Coast Suns up in the Gold Coast by 17 points with a final score of nine goals, four behinds, 58 to six goals, five behinds, 41. All right, first impressions. Polly, let me pass it over to you. Tell me all about it. What's going through your mind? What's the impressions? Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest. It still hasn't really hit me yet. I rewatched the game a couple of hours ago and I still was like, how th- what <laughs> like we've at the point where it's just surpassed all of my wildest dreams for this season there's no there's no way last year Polly thought that I would be talking about the fact that the Swans won a final at this point of the year like it's just so incredible and it's just so exciting and oh I can't I can't get over just how lucky we've been this season and something I've been thinking about recently is like 2022 is obviously the year we came into the league and I think a lot of people are forever going to associate that with the Swans and that with the women's fixture but I think to all the fans 2023 is going to be the most special season that we will never forget. Never forget, it will burn into my mind the feeling that we have now. It's one of those special seasons where it just comes together and it's been after such a long and tough men's season, the Swans continued on and then we have this amazing women's season. It's just been superb. It's hard to put into words. Uh, Steve-O, mate, what's going through you? It's been a special time. Oh, look, I, I'd never expected this at all. Like it's... It's totally beyond what I think we could have dreamed for at the start of the season or even like two seasons ago. I thought probably even getting to a final would be maybe two or three more years off. You know, once some of these younger ones became in like early 20s and stuff, I thought, okay, then we could challenge for finals. And then I hadn't even imagined that we'd win one, let alone in the second season already winning a final away, which is amazing. And, and they just played like pros, right? Like they started badly. They really did. They started poorly and Gold Coast got on top of them and then they just took control and really Gold Coast weren't even ever in the game after quarter time. You know, every time the Suns came, the Swans had an answer. And um, and then when Newman got that goal to answer their, their two quick ones to start quarter two, I think they didn't get back within about two goals for the rest of the match and we just held on. And the final quarter was just really, really tough footy. I really enjoyed it. And I love watching the, the crowd reaction. It seemed like there was a lot of red and white up there. You guys were both there. Sure was. And, yeah, and I love yeah. the, the way that this team – and you see it after every game, not just the final. Like, I really love on the TV the way that the um, – all the Swans players and staff really, really get amongst the crowd and it looks like it's a real sort of community. So it was really nice to see that on the telly. 
it was legitimately like a big love fest for swans like yeah polly it was mostly swans fans that what i felt it's well yeah i don't know where all the swans fans were there were definitely some there but where we were it was just swan central it was fantastic like everyone was just so joyous and happy and it's a community feel that i've never really felt at the footy before that you're getting at this one these swans games in particular um yeah it's just fantastic I went up there with mum and uh, you, we were sitting together, Polly, and I, I kept looking at yeah. mum. I'm like, mum, are you crying? And she's got the front <laughs> here world up on the side of right. She goes, I'm just enjoying it. And she was legitimately just really loving the emotion of that moment of like yeah. the girls just being out there to begin with and uh, and then, of course, winning was, was even better. And you have to yeah. understand, like, my mum literally got into AFL about a year ago when it's the last men's game where we played Adelaide last year. Um, she went to the game. She had a great time. She's like, oh, I want to join. I'm like, well, the men's is wrapping up, but let's, let's like, I'm joining the women's. Let's go watch the women's. And she came with me to watch the women's and she got really into it. And then she became a fan of AFL generally and watched through the men's and now through the women's. And so she's only been around like Swannies for a year and she is obsessed with it. And it, 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 it she's traveling for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, this is the special thing that AFLW does give that yeah. no one is appreciating as much as we probably should do. And I, I think something that I really stuck out to me was most of the women that were there were around your mum's age. It was yeah. a lot of middle age plus women that had travelled. And I just sat there and thought, like, for me, it was such a momentous thing to get a team. And that was something I never grew, grew up thinking was possible. So for people that are 20 plus years older than me, I can't even imagine how they would be feeling to be in this position watching a team that they've waited their whole life for show up and play it's just everything about it it's just such a good atmosphere yeah special one it it wasn't lost on everyone like it, it was no. did you see gowans at the end there like in yeah. tears like, yeah. it meant so much to him uh, i don't know if that came through the broadcast steve but gowans was you know bopping up to you should it yeah well. take a it really did face yeah special 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 moment i can't can't think of enough about how much he's actually been a part of this too. I think we give a lot of credits, yeah. of course. You know, we give prizes, unique and unnecessary prizes every week out to the, to the girls. And uh, <laughs> but uh, but Gowans absolutely has to um, take a big chunk of that. Yeah, uh, we have to think of a prize for Gowans. It's just going to rat our brains. Um, <laughs> look, let's talk about the game. Um, Steve, I might throw to you, mate, for the beginning of this one. Um, yeah, good, bad stats. Anything you saw in the game? We're getting a little bit more technical here about how the girls played. Uh, I got a couple of stats actually that really jumped out from that game. Um, one was how many marks we took compared to them. We took fifty-six to twenty-eight marks. That's double. Like, that's a massive amount, and it shows how well after that first five or so minutes, how well the girls were able to control the ball and how they were able to identify and then hit up targets. And, and the way that, um, that they were kicking to a position where they wanted a player to move also, so they weren't just kicking static to a one-on-one, to a -on -one, like to a, to a contest. They were putting the ball into a spot where a player who had a player right on her hip was unable to move in and receive the ball. And it, it looked like an uncontested mark, but it's almost a contested mark. And they did that really well, especially while they were moving the ball across the wings and stuff when they're bringing it from the back half. I, um, I really like that. And the way they were so clean compared to even 10 weeks ago, it was incredible. Um, and then, and then the one that stands out was the tackle stat was massive, and and Polly just um, pointed out this was actually a league tackle record, not just um, not just a huge number. One hundred and six tackles to sixty seven, 
that is a massive effort <laughs> when you when you consider that that 17 minute quarters and the clock is running for 15 of those 17 minutes and they did 106 tackles in a match that's crazy and that's, um that's the definition of intense right there <laughs> yeah absolutely and and that was plus 39 of the tackles and then um grant who who was here for the for the lions review a couple of weeks ago um he would i was chatting with him the other day and he pointed out that actually in all three of the big upset games so swans lions and ruse there were massive differentials on the tackle swans were plus 39 lions got up 25 and ruse 24 so so that sort of intent i think is really setting a blueprint for um for how to go about playing big finals in this comp maybe the beginning of some special stuff for the coaches maybe the beginning of like the way the league kind of moves into this high contested high tackle game which suits me just fine I, I love that style i think it's, it's so much fun in terms of footy hey polly what about you what, what have you seen from the game you want to point out yeah, um, the first thing I'll point out is that we were absolutely dominated in the ruck. Um, I think I halfway through the game, it was like 40 to 9 hitouts or something like that. But the thing that I've loved about it how is since Morford's gone out, we just managed to find a game plan that we don't need a ruck. Like, it'd be great if Ali was back, but we found a way to move the ball without it being the main focus of our um, game plan. And it's just amazing to see because it's we've only done it in three weeks. So um, it was just phenomenal. That really stuck out to me when I was watching it back, just like that it isn't needed at the moment. Yeah. It, it would be, it's a, it's the icing on the cake, but to yeah. find ways around uh, winning games, despite having uh, not the best rock girl in the competition, bloody, bloody well take it. Steve, uh, one yes. thing I did on, on the numbers you said there, uh-huh, on the 56 to 28 marks, efficiency inside 50 for us was like phenomenal. We were, uh, yeah, so inside 50, we were like just about 60% efficiency, uh, whereas um, Gold Coast were at 30%. So we were double that amount of efficiency. And when you look at the numbers, the way that numbers work, it's a lot more than just double. But um, just as you said there, getting girls in spaces, putting places in marks where it makes sense, gave us more shots of goal from a legitimate angle. Like it felt like that was the way to go. It didn't feel like there was ever a uh, shot that wasn't going to go through. Um, I think we ended up with what, four behind and I'm still convinced one of those wasn't touched. That Gardner goal I'm convinced was a goal. I watched it back. It it wasn't touched. I don't know where, the, what the goal umpire thought they saw. Um, but like we compare that to where they were at the start of the season and like, I have full faith in that forward line now. They're going to kick goals and defenders are going to kick goals. <laughs> um, like, it, it's just incredible to see. And it's, I think, an area across the league that isn't very well established. Like, there tends to be a lot more behinds than goals. And I think the goals, the way that they're winning games is by the fact that they can kick straight. It's got, to, it's got to score. And in, in AFLW, it's so important to score. Like the, the scores aren't quite as high as the men's. The, the timing is the, – the, the games are shorter uh, and every bit counts those those goals are even more gold. Uh, and to see like someone like McAvoy, you know, slap a couple – I think that's what you're alluding to. Yeah. Polly is just – we'll take it every day. How's the pressure though? You, you were noting it at, at the game as well. Like the pressure yeah, is we were, insane. Yeah, like, Chris – 
Chris and I were sitting next to each other and I think like maybe every five or so minutes we'd be like, oh, the pressure. <laughs> like, oh, the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> like, like obviously that that tackle statistic shows how much, how ridiculous the pressure was. But it wasn't just tackles. It was just stopping the ball from being moved. Um, I was looking at the stats after the game and it, you look at it and it looked like Alicia Newman didn't have a particularly good game. But when you were watching it, you saw yeah. that she was doing so much to stop the ball from getting down their other end of the field. Um, and that is what makes good competition. Whereas you look at like if you looked at the stats and you were just going off stats, you'd be like, oh, maybe she would get dropped next week. But she was actually actually fantastic to watch. It's just that the way that they count stats wasn't conducive to the way she played. Um, that's just one example. But the pressure was everywhere. There was not a point where I think there was maybe one point where they where their pressure faltered, and that was because that was after that what should have been a garden a goal they were celebrating and they weren't set up and then cold coast scored a goal that was the only time i felt like the pressure wasn't there most of the time it was and to your point there that small forward pressure line and not to just drag it back to the men's but we just got a lot of examples of that uh, steve last couple of years we've spoken about you know sam weeks and james bell and that small forward defensive pressure uh, sorry forward the pre- defensive pressure kind of player the stats never look good for them but that's the role they need to play, and that's where Alicia Newman kind of sat as well. Yeah, forwards who don't play like a key mark goal-scoring role, I think in all forms of football, tend to get overlooked. They do so much work off the ball that doesn't even turn up on the stat sheet half the time, and um, and Newman is a perfect example of that. Like She really worked hard. I mean, you could see how hard she was running. You could see that she's getting to so many contests. And her job isn't to win the footy. Her job is to sometimes pop up with the footy, sure. But her job is to make sure that the Chloe Malloys of the world can run havoc, you know, and she did that so well. How, how was, I don't know who it was against, but she absolutely nailed a tackle on someone right in front of us, Polly. Oh, one, it was, yeah, I'm not backs. sure who it was against either, but it was, it was really, really good. We were both like, oh, <laughs> mum was like, is she okay? I'm like, don't worry about that, mum. Don't worry about it, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> such a mum, such a mum question. Yeah. <laughs> All right, look, favorite moments. Let's get stuck into it. We've spoken about a couple already. Uh, Polly, I might shoot over to you. Your favorite moments of the game. What was it? Uh, yeah, so first one was in the first quarter and it was what I would like to call a co-captain's goal. Uh, after Beck sadly went down, uh, McAvoy went forward for a little while, which I was a bit um, – I ridiculed a little bit at the start of the season, but now I actually love it when she does this. And you could see her run in and no one was tagging her and no one expected her to be going for a goal. And you could see Chloe saw her and like the little head nod, like they had this weird captain's telepathic <laughs> conversation <laughs> and just kicked it straight to it. It went to ground and uh, McAvoy just scored the most incredible goal you will ever see, like just straight off her boot. And I, uh, Chris and I have talked about it a lot. We always guarantee McAvoy, if she gets that ball, she's going to score a goal. She has the straightest kick in the game. Yeah. Um, but that was just an incredible moment. And I mean, who doesn't love a defender's goal? Yeah, we're going to talk about AA. She's dirty not to get in there, but yeah, she's just an absolute gun. We've spoken about it a billion times, eh, Steve? How good, how good she is, and we're so excited about having her. I didn't realize she's only twenty-two. What yeah, this something that I realized this week when the twenty twenty-two under twenty twenty-two came out for the voting. Um, I I was like, she plays like a twenty-eight-year-old. She plays like a yeah. veteran. She's twenty-two. She's like, 22. how lucky we madness. are! Madness. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, Steve, mate, what a, over to you, mate. Favorite moment of the game? 
Uh, I'm going to start with the moment that I must have watched this goal like a dozen times already. Now, Chloe Malloy's goal from the stoppage at the start of the game, that was unbelievable. Like, you want to talk about a perfect piece of, of like forward dead ball stoppage craft that results in a goal, then just go and teach that. When you're, when you're teaching people how to play at a stoppage, show them how well she did it. Um, that is such a difficult goal to score for so many reasons. She's she's in a position where she's going to get tagged. Like every single time there's a stoppage situation, she's going to have people trying to bash her in the chest, bash her in the back, whack her on the hips, trying to put her off her run. She got a clean run. She was moving the whole time. She loops around, takes the ball perfectly, reads the tap really, really well. We didn't win the hit out, but she read it perfectly. And to hook back around and kick that is an incredible effort. I mean, you got Nick Davis on the coaching staff. He'd be proud of that, I think. It was, it was a really, really beautiful goal. Nick Davis energy for sure there. That, 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 that had that one step on the snap, bang, just, just grabbed it off the ground, had that perfect energy to it. Uh, back to you, Polly. Favorite moments. Let's enjoy this. What else have you got? Yeah, this one I think would be most people's favorite moments because it was just so cheeky and just so Chloe. Um, someone, after she got a, a free kick, and I don't really know what for to this still, but anyway, that's a whole other thing. Um, uh, Heckler yelled out, two, four, six, eight, you can't kick straight. Um, and she went back and slotted it. And so did the hand gesture, two, four, six, eight. Clearly, I can kick straight. Like, and it was just so good. And it's just so cheeky. And I love to see that from Chloe because we know that she hates like all that sort of, uh, like she'll take on argy-bargy. She'll, you know, get into people. And it was just so fun and so silly. And I, I just loved it. And even after the game when they asked her about it, she said something along the lines of like, you know what, I actually thought that was a really clever little thing. And I was like, but I'm not going to have it. And she just uh, just focused and just slotted it. It was it was a yeah. damn good kick. It was from like about yeah, 40 out. And yeah. it was just like never had a chance of missing. It was perfectly kicked. So and she plays like, well clearly, under pressure. Clearly that guy knows nothing about Chloe because that kind of shit is just going to spur her on any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't mess with her. Steve-O, mate, over to you. Uh, favorite, another favourite moment? Uh, my other moment was about 15 minutes of moments. It was the last quarter when, um, like, at three-quarter time when we got that late goal, I think I think it was Cynthia Hamilton kicked that goal that got us four goals up just before the end of the third quarter. And I thought, oh, you know, if, if we can just get five minutes of scoreless football, if we don't score a goal ourselves, we can probably hold on. And they defended like crazy in that yeah. last part. We conceded, I think, the first, I was counting watching the replay, the first nine inside 50s of the quarter, but they didn't get a goal until two minutes left in the game when it was already over. And the effort they put in just to grind that down, and the advantage of, of AFLW is you can grind the clock a bit because it does run through stoppages when it goes out, when it's a ball up. If you put really, really good physical pressure, which they were doing, you can get minutes off the clock, and they did it so perfectly. And, and yeah, by the time the Suns finally broke the damn wall, it was it was too over. It was it was long gone. They weren't going to get three goals in two minutes, and, and we were home. That's when I started. We started cheering. You could see the crowd next to us, just like basically starting to enjoy it. Everyone kind of went a little bit quiet. <laughs> yeah, you had a bit moment in the Sydney. Yeah, I, I heard that on the on the, the telly. Yeah. yeah, you could yeah. hear it on the broadcast. Even that sort of Sydney chant when there was only a couple yeah. of minutes left. It was nice. <laughs> Fun fact: that was actually started by the Swans boys that were there. Yeah, we found out later. <laughs> By Callum Mills, uh, McInerney, and Hayden McLean all kicking that off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good on them. Yeah, and I saw Robottom. He showed his loyalty. Even though his sister plays for the Suns, he had his red and white scarf on. So, yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been pretty torn, I think. Uh, (laughs) It would have been pretty tough for him to pick a side. But, uh, But yeah, yeah, um, speaking to 
running the clock down, um, I was very anxious and had my phone out because on the AFL app it does count down. And there was two people behind us and they thought there was five minutes left. So Chris and I got to do the very fun thing of being like, oh, no, there's only 40 seconds left. Don't worry. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't I, – I was getting the times all wrong. I was telling my mom like six different things. My mom's like, what? Oh, no. And then like, oh, okay, cool. And even when we had like 30 seconds to go, um, she was still – Your mom was crying. No, your mom was crying. And she was like, we've won. And you were like, mom, no, don't say that. <laughs> Oh man, because in that quarter too, like it would have been, that, you can't have much difference because normally because the clock stops in in women's only for goals and for like some sort of blood rule, like there's very few things that actually stops for. So that quarter hadn't had any goals in it. So the count up clock and the count down clock must have been so close, which would confuse a hell yeah, of people because normally they're not. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, it would really be confusing. It was, yeah, it was still in my head in for sure. All my emotions were being drummed up pretty damn well. Uh, it was pretty fine. Tarrant in that last quarter. Um, that's yeah, one she thing marked I noticed. a few. Wow. Oh, mate. And she, she does that. So what, what I've really come to notice, like she plays, she has to play pretty tight on the band. But then as soon as they start like Hail Marying and just getting balls in the air, she marks all of them. And the same thing happened mm-hmm. in GWS, the same thing in our first win, the same thing's happened in a few other games. And it just propelled itself up even more every single ball that went in the air whether it was near her or not it seemed like she got over to it and she marked it cleanly uh she's just a very very special person she's unlucky to get some more nods but uh mate big fan big fan of tarrant she's got such a career ahead of her so excited um my little favorite moment if you don't mind would be probably meeting a lot of swans fans there uh we got to meet uh gowans we got to meet some media people uh we got to uh meet some of the boys uh we actually got to see a few fans of it as well so a couple of shout outs um helen uh met her at the pre-game uh at the golf course her and her husband very lovely both big swans fans northern new south wales so it made sense for them to travel up so helen Cheers to you, up the bloods, and I hope to see you in the near future. Um, Leah, who was actually friends of Tanya Kennedy that we met on the plane on the way up and on the way back, actually. Um, big Tanya Kennedy, uh, mate of hers and humongous fan, her number one fan, loves her to death. And it's actually, I was actually asking her a bunch of questions about Tanya. I was like, oh, what's she like? You know, is she a bit of a bit of a bit of a love. And she's like, she is as intense as you think she is, but she's so <laughs> And I'm like, oh wow, that's bad. And she's like, yeah, yeah. She's like, she's amazing, but she's always been a gun. Like she's just ruthless. I'm like, that's sick. I love that. Um, so a bit of inside knowledge over there. And also we got to meet Lynn, the number one ticket holder for AFLW for 2022 and 2023, who actually noticed us as we were walking through and giving out some French bracelets, which we'll talk about in a second, um, giving them out to some fans and family members of the team. And she came over and uh, noticed us and said hello and had a nice chat. So thanks, Lynn. Hope you listen to the party. Love you very much. It's very sweet of you to uh, say hello. And hopefully we can do something together uh, and, and get all your knowledge on this uh, party as well. So let's get that going in the future. Um, all right, look, moving on to the Bob medal, which is, of course, our equivalent of the Bob Skilton medal. We give three, two, one points out to the best ones playing every week. And in this week, we're actually organised. We actually, Polly, Polly and I, Polly, Polly and I, actually figured this out minutes before we started the podcast. Polly, if you will, take it away. Yeah, uh, to honour the fact we played in the Gold Coast last week and the fact we're playing in Adelaide next week, we've got a three-day theme park pass and a Adelaide Hills tour for 
number for the three voter. Superb, superb. Uh, Steve-O, have you been to all three parks? What are they? Movie World, Wet n Wild, and Dream World, yeah? Oh, I think Sea World. Sea World. <laughs> Okay, sorry. I think I think they've maybe I've been to all four of them. Then I think when I was a kid, we went up there for a family holiday to the Gold Coast. I must have been about ten or twelve, like still in primary school. And we went to all the parks, but maybe I never went to Wet and Wild. Maybe it was just Sea World, Movie World, Dream World. I went to. Steve, I don't know how old you are, but it might not have existed yet. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Did you know that what, what's what's the one in Sydney that doesn't exist anymore? I was so upset to learn uh, that. Wonderland. Um, Wonderland. Wonderland. Yeah, it's Wonderland. gone. I mean, that's not news for most people, I guess. But for me, cool. I was pretty devastated. Now it's um, where Wonderland used to be is like a knockoff Wet and Wild, so it all comes full circle. <laughs> oh no! It's a pretty cool. It's a pretty cool Wet and Wild. To be fair, we took. Don't, I hope none of my, my bosses are listening, but we actually took a day off work a couple of years ago. Uh, <laughs> had a, a sicky uh, early February when all the kids had gone back to school, and me. That's and a the few way to do adults, it. Yeah, we, we did an adult that day. We decided not to adult, and we went to Wet and Wild and whatever it's called. What's it called out west? Anyway. It used to be it used to be a wet and wild, and now yeah. it's not affiliated with the the big three anymore. So it has now some other wild name. It's like Western Sydney, yeah, wild, yeah, <laughs> Western Sydney Water Park or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty sweet though. I, I, I do recommend it. But yeah, when the land was sick, big beastie can't get wrong. Yeah, anyway, that was a great roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, that's got nothing to do with football. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and it's yes, probably so. in um, it's in the Giants zone anyway. We shouldn't be talking about it at all on this podcast. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, you know what? Yeah, let's let's Luna, not Luna Park. Like, that's, that's that's the Sydney <laughs> oh, Sydney one, isn't it? Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sucks. Anyway, hey, four hundred bucks to get a popcorn and a bad ride. Yeah. Yeah, and all you do that that roller coaster. Is is like six foot high it's nothing anyway yeah it's like a monorail <laughs> the monorail was scarier i'm pretty sure yeah exactly oh. <laughs> more expensive too i think it was a joke anyway <laughs> let's get stuck into the actual players so uh three two points so three points to chloe malloy co-captain chloe malloy two points to sophia hurley our young star and one point to what is the staple in the Bob Medal, Laura Gardner with the one point. Uh, Steve-O, I'll give it to you to take it away with Chloe Malloy for the three points. Uh, she's just a presence, and I think we say this every week, is that just having her on the field means that the team functions better, I think. And I've really liked having her in the forward line a lot more because she's able to really bring other players into the game as well as be a star herself. And we saw that again on the weekend. She kicked three herself, but she was involved in a few others. She um, she had another shot she didn't convert. She's still ended up with, like, what, 15 or so touches, took some marks. Um, she has such a presence in that forward line, in that forward half of the ground, that every time the ball goes anywhere near her, the opposition gets reactive. And, and that opens up holes for everybody else. So, yeah, look, she's an absolute star. And she's... um. She's, I think, she's got to be a lock for um for all Australia in this year, and she'll be in the top two of our best and first for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, incredible season. I was season. even going as far as to say all Australian captain. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, that's a good shout, yeah, Polly. Polly, what, what can you say about her that you may not have said this season, aside from consistency, which is I don't the think irony there. Are, <laughs> yeah, I don't think there are any other words like it's like what other adjectives can I like pull that I haven't said already? Um, yeah, she's just been phenomenal, and I think even the fact like we've already spoken about her what four times at this point. Like we brought her up three times in favorite moments. She's just um, probably the best player in the league. Like I know that's a very biased opinion, but 
the things that she can do and the, th- and the presence that she has on the field, like Tiva was saying, is just unmatched and it's unfounded. And, you know, we've gotten so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think realistically, yeah, near her, so. she makes the game better. Yeah. In our favor, which is kind of what Steve was saying there. Sorry, mate, I jumped in. No, no. Um, she just like such a massive inclusion to the club because, as great as the entire team has been, I think it's fair to say that without Chloe Malloy and the role that she's played, we wouldn't have been in the finals. I mean, certainly would have won a final. And that's the, the level of impact she has, I think, on the team. Yeah, she brings she brings the team into it, and she loves the team. She loves the aspect of it, and from the second she came in, all the things she said about the team, the things she wanted out of the game, uh, how she wanted to be a part of the first win of the Swans, she wanted to take us all the way. Like everything she said and the intent she had has come out, and that's that energy and that bubbliness and that happiness and that smile. Every part about her is just really in boss it really encompasses the way that we all feel about the swans at the moment yeah. she's a special 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 person I'm and very, i think of like chris and i were sitting literally right behind the bench so we could see who was coming and going from the bench i don't think chloe like even if she came off i don't think she sat down i think she sat down for like no. two seconds and then was like on the boundary line <laughs> kind of acting <laughs> as a runner even when she was supposed to be resting so i think that just like perfectly sums her up she's just so invested in this team and it's just so lovely to see yeah she seems up for the challenge yeah. So, ahead, so yeah, I just they interviewed her after the game on the ground, like her and her and Sophia Hurley, and and they were both just full of energy and and over the moon with the win. But they asked her one of the whoever the the person with the microphone, I forget her name. Um, she Sam asked, Lane. yeah, that's right, Sam Lane. I, yeah, she asked her, um, like you know, about her Collingwood. She's look, I don't care about my Collingwood. I did some stuff at Collingwood, whatever. But I'm so about what I'm doing now at the Swans. And you kind of got this feeling watching that, like there was this look in her eyes that she was totally up for the challenge and just buzzing to be there, which was really cool. Yeah. We actually got to meet Sam Lane, I guess, there, Polly. I guess that's why. We did. Now that I forgot her name, fuck. (laughs) No, no, no. Polly actually, uh, yeah, we got to give her a a friendship bracelet, which is nice. I did, which is very cool. It was very, we'll talk about that at the end, I think. It was very fun. One of the things about, I was just uh, alluding to there, not being able to sit down, we actually were near Chloe Chloe Malloy's mum, who also did not sit down for the entire game. Her energy. Is I don't even think she had a seat. She was no, just like <laughs> just in the stairwell, open <laughs> bit. She's just like refusing to sit down, and she just was. And I, I really, Chloe's energy is very infectious and it's very energetic and it's very sweet. And her mom just has all of that again. And so we, she has the exact same energy. It's really fa- fantastic. It's fascinating to see. But um, yeah, obviously a mom during a final. I mean, my mom could barely sit down and, and I wasn't playing on the field. So any of the kids weren't playing yeah. on the field. But yeah, I can understand where that energy comes from. It's just amazing. So, um, All right, look, Chloe Malloy, hands down, just an incredible person, great player. Great, so happy to have her and made an impact on the team in so many ways. And yeah, three points from the board medal in uh, the first final of the Swans play. Stars are aligned. Um, two points, Sophia Hurley, Polly. I'll let it take it away for you. You can take it away for our young little superstar. Yeah, um, Soph is just blossomed into such a fantastic player. It's crazy to think like. That was her twenty-first game at an elite level. Like she is doing, like the fact that she managed to rank higher the the Gardner is like insane to think of how good Gardner is, and we're comparing Sophia to her now. Which, like, Sophie's just so good. She is 
as I've, I've already called it multiple times, future captain. Um, I, she did everything right. There was not a point where she did something wrong. Um, and like just a phenomenal game from her. I could be wrong. I think she scored a goal as well. Like everything that we wanted her to be doing, she's doing and more. And I just, I, I couldn't be happier with her. Yeah, she did score a goal, but on the telecast, I remember them saying that it was Elisa Vale. Um, they got the number wrong, but it was Oh, Elisa, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember that. So, yeah, I mean, she, she tackled everything that came. And at the, in the first quarter, she was best on ground, as far as I was concerned. Yeah. She was nastiest, most amount of pressure. She was great touches. Whenever she did get it, she was just doing everything. And she, we're all looking at the, you know, the, the fantastic and interesting things and unique things that some of the other players do. and um, But this, the grind is what Sophia was all about. Steve, you were really hot on Sophia this season. You were put her up for best and fairest. You've got to be proud of your girl, right? She's been great. And, and like you, got, you just said, like her tackle pressure in that game, she had 16 tackles in four quarters of football. Um, that's four per quarter. To put that in a bit of context... When you're coaching players, you might want to set them a target, like maybe try and make one tackle per quarter. And she got 16 and four is already a solid outing. So, I mean, a lot of the other girls did really well too, like Gardner, um, Kennedy, Montana Ham, all had really high tackle numbers too. But Sophia Hurley was still way ahead of them. So that's that's how much of an impact that she had with her tackle work. And in the shorter quarters as well. Right, so that's the other yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 incredible to be. I mean, you, you do get it's a, it's a higher tackle game because of the nature of the game, AFLW, but still, sixteen is a huge number. Yeah, solid. And she she brings a big crowd with her. Her family is all there. It's it's awesome, and you can you yeah, can tell the that they're all too. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she dragged a big crowd there, which is amazing. And uh, yeah, she plays she plays for the crowd. So good honor. Two points for Sophia Hurley. Big stuff ahead, as Chloe said. Uh, as Chloe. You're not Chloe, you're Polly. Uh, I wish I was Chloe. <laughs> you wear number five, you're practically Chloe. I do. Uh, <laughs> um, as Polly said, Polly's future captain. Uh, and as Steve-O said at the beginning of the season, he, he, she was his smoky for best and fairest. So, yeah, well, a lot of good stuff to be had ahead for us for Hurley. Um, one point to what is the staple, the foundation of the Bob Medal, Laura Gardner, probably running away with this medal, we'd suspect. Uh, Steve-O, over to you, mate. Laura Gardner, another fantastic game. Yeah, she only got one vote this week. She had an off day. Like, she probably probably disappointed <laughs> with herself. <laughs> She's been yeah, killing it. too harshly now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we've, we've raised the bar for poor Laura. Yeah. Um, she, I mean, she killed it. She had 30 touches again. Um Bloody uh, ten tackles, which which still is a lot. I mean, Sophia pumped out sixteen, but ten is still a huge effort for tackles for an individual. And and again, just her her ability. I mean, the role that she's playing means that Chloe Malloy is able to play the role that she plays. So it's not just what she's doing with the ball; it's the just how important like a cog she is in the whole structure of the Swans midfield and the way that she frees players up. Because if she wasn't in the team, we would need to bring in another elite on-baller. That's probably going to be Chloe Malloy. So we lose one from the forward line, unless you can magic one out of someone else to do what Laura's been doing. So the two of them, like Gardner and, and Malloy, as a one-two punch this year, have been sensational. And, yeah, surely she's won the best and fairest weeks ago, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Polly, what do you think? Is she, is she, yeah. is she going to get the – she's gotten herself a bit of the curse where – Maybe next year she'll turn into a bit of a Parker where despite having an incredible game, she gets no points in the Bob medal because we... I think, see, see I think that's what's going to happen. 
yeah. yeah. Yeah, she kind of goes under the, like, not under the radar, but basically under the radar because we're just expected at this point. She's just so good and she just gets it done every week. Like, a 30, dip- I think there hasn't been a game where she didn't get 30 disposals. Like, that's insane. <laughs> like, um, yeah, she's just guaranteed good game every week. There was, even at the, the start of the game, I thought maybe she was a little bit shaky because I think she might have got tagged for the first time ever um and she managed to shake off that tag and it didn't even bother her she was fine she still had a phenomenal game um and i think it's worth shouting out at this point that she came second on in the league for coaches votes um which is just phenomenal and incredible and all the all the superlatives like i couldn't speak highly enough of her and i've been saying it since round four sneaky for best and fairest in the league so um yeah just a phenomenal year from her what do you reckon, Steve? Best of Ferris, Smokey, we can do it. Yeah, and look, and we've won a lot of games, so it's it's often harder in a team where you're not winning because usually the team that wins gets the three and probably the two, and then you know the, the losing team often gets the two or maybe the one. So because we won six regular season games, she's got to be up there in the um in the votes for the league best of Ferris. Yeah. All right. So. Should we should we all put some pull some money together and put some bets down? Is that how it works? I don't know. I don't know. Can you? I don't know. Can you bet on the BMF? I don't know. <laughs> you could question. bet on you everything. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 You can bet on Chloe Malloy's next goal celebration. I reckon you can bet on <laughs> anything you can invent. Yeah, yeah. If you can imagine it, someone will take your money for it. That's good. Yeah, true. So, yeah, BNF, let's go. All right, so that's the three points. Chloe Malloy for three points, two for Hurley, and one for Gardner in what is a human effort for the day. Uh, we always have some special uh, honourable mentions for the game. Uh, we're actually organised this week. We've written some of ours down early on. Um, together, in unison, we all voted for Tarrant in fourth place. Um, I'll quickly take it away with Tarrant, big fan. Steve-O started suggesting her well early on about the quality of play she is, and I've been paying attention, and I can't stop now. My favourite player on the pitch, we said that fourth quarter, it was just hers. She dominated that piece, and just throughout the game, was just doing all the things you expected to do. She is unfortunate not to get into the uh, top 44 for AA, which we'll talk about later in the potty, um, but you'd have to say that an All-Australian is probably in the future for her is the way I'd look at it. Steve-O, mate, I'll pass to you. You're the one who was really hot about it early on. What's going through your mind? Oh, she's just so reliable. I mean, in that last quarter, when we really just needed to hold, like it was unlikely that they were going to get enough goals to win, but one or two early goals, and all of a sudden they've got their heads up, they've got their confidence, and then they only need a couple more. And she just didn't let it happen. Like we said before, the ball just kept going in there and she was consistently on the end of it and bring it back out like the absolute star that she's been all year. She had such a good game. A special defender. Polly, uh, fourth for you as well. What did you want to say? Yeah, like she is the fourth quarter queen. Like... (laughs) Ooh, I, like I don't that. think fourth anyone can queen. do yeah. the fourth quarter queen. She can, uh, There's no one else that can do what she does in the last quarter. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anyone act like a goalkeeper so strongly as she does in that fourth quarter. There is nothing getting past her. It's just incredible. Like, I uh, like I don't even know how where she can go to improve because she's just been such a good player this year. And I think I, they said on the broadcast, she might be the only player that's played every game for the Swans. 
so that's also incredible because she's a, she's a um sorry she was brought up as a swans fan she loves the swans and now she's getting to play and she's in our like one of our best four like it's just a phenomenal story and i'm just very happy for her yeah the rock the solid fourth quarter queen stone i love it um steve you had heads ella heads here for your fifth yeah, it was interesting because we all this week we were all so organised that we actually all listed our top six um, before getting on air, and our top four was all the same with a little bit of shuffling for positions. But we all had the same four, and then our next two, like fifth and sixth, we almost had quite similar. Um, but my, I really liked Ella Head's game. Um, she was just again very consistent. She did some really good intercepting. Her um her body work in that back part of the ground was good. Every time she had the ball in the back half. I felt like relaxed, like, okay, she's going to do something right with it. She's going to identify a good target. And they swept the ball out of there so many times. And, and her and, and Tarrant, I think, were a big part of that. So that's why I had her in the best six. It was tough. I mean, there was probably eight or nine that I wanted to put in my list, but I could only have six and she was one. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't make up any rules here, but I like that you've created a rule for yourself to apply to. Yeah, it's mostly so because you, I only yeah. put six because on our run sheet on the Excel there was only space for seven, and I like to have a little gap at the bottom just in case. So that's the reason I put six. I mean, Excel can be expanded, but yeah, like, by all means, <laughs> yeah, but, too. but that's an extra but click. Honestly, <laughs> there was everyone could have been on that list this week. So yeah. if, if Steve had kept yeah. adding people, would have just been twenty-two names. <laughs> in order we were just that would have been yeah. a long podcast uh, and i'm glad because yeah. actually you guys you guys put in my seventh so i got away with seven technically so <laughs> there you go there you go all right <laughs> uh, polly your fifth was kennedy tanya kennedy tell us all about it she what a find i think i've said that maybe oh, four times this podcast but what a find yeah. like um i don't think anyone had her in our best uh 21 20 I was forget- it's twenty one, right? Yeah, twenty one. Yeah, Sixteen yeah. and five. Sixteen and five. Yeah. Um. He w- no one would have had her in our best twenty one coming into this season, but we had a couple rough injuries, um, lingering from last year that didn't find its way in, and she managed to just find a spot in the team. And apart from her kicking, which you know, I think we've said it a couple times, could definitely be improved on. But that's something that can be improved on. She just has the the skills and the knowledge, and she just moves the ball so beautifully and like I really just love her watching her and there was this one in particular run that she did that was like she handballed it handballed it to I think heads and then she ran and then heads handballed it back and it just like got them into such a good position so quickly and you just don't really see that many other people doing plays like that or trying plays like that and, and um it was I mean, I I feel like maybe because she does have such a unique look compared to the rest of the team, she does stick out to me. But I felt like she was everywhere. No, I I, I agree with you. I felt that she was. If if there was a contested ball on the ground, and if there was a couple, if the ball bounced twice, that gave her enough time to get to that contest somehow. Yeah. And yeah, she was fighting tooth and nail to get her hands on it, or at least to make an impact on it. And I, that went a long way. And, and also the fact that she was tagging, keeping her opponent to only seven touches for the whole game. She is a, the hardest worker and a tagger. And as you said there, Polly, where do we get this? Like, do we deserve this? Like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> so it purely came by, it was, feels like accident, but she did not let that opportunity slip. Um, and she's been in our best 21 for this 
ever since she's walked in. So, yeah, guaranteed, guaranteed in for sure. Next year it's going to be tough with some decisions to be made, but that's mm-hmm. what we want, right? That's that's the point of a competition. Um, my uh, fifth, I had uh, Lucy McAvoy, um, just couple of goals just being in the right place at the right time some really classy things she does whenever she's got the ball she just seems to have a lot of time and just nail the kick Polly said early in the potty I agree probably the best kick in the competition she's just weighted perfectly um I don't know if either of you two want to say anything else but that's that's I just felt she was incredible probably unlucky to be fifth to be honest that's how good everyone was like um just fantastic game from her as always, it's a little bit of a Laura Gardner situation where she's just always so good that she kind of just, we just expect it. Like she scored two goals and still we gave a fifth. So, um, no. you know. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, from the back line, like following her play <laughs> up the field. Oh my and God. She's... <laughs> We're mean. Like, yeah. Didn't get a vote. Yeah. Let's <laughs> yeah. rejig this. This, yeah, this, is a bit, um, this is a bit mean, I think. Yeah, look. But that's the thing. I think so many people have such a good game that it's like how I was legitimately sitting there for 10 minutes moving players around going, I don't know how what order to put these people in because everyone just played so well and Lucy is no exception to that. Yeah, she she played both ends of the field. She didn't just go forward once Privatelli went down. She was still doing both of the positions. So, um, you know, she had a fantastic game and... Uh, as are we going to keep saying she's 22 she's 22 <laughs> like what co-captain 22 a veteran apparently and uh one of the best kicks we've, we've seen so what are we going to do about this like my god wrap her up for 10 years that's what i say let's, yeah let's do it. um well that look that Funnily enough, wraps up our honourable mentions. Um, we were pretty good and aligned our top six, more or less uh, six or seven together, which worked out really well. So good work, team. Um, that's the game. We're, we're happy. We're ecstatic. We're loving it. We need to enjoy this all the way, all the way to this next game. But there is another game. We actually go to play Adelaide in Adelaide, as our next game. So quarterfinal it is. We are in the top six. Who would have thought that at the beginning of the season? Definitely not me. I was thinking 12. If we could get 12, I'd be happy. We're at six. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, Steve-O, opposition watch, mate. What's going on? uh, Not opposition watch, rather. The uh, uh, expansion watch. What's happening that side? We've won the expansion season this year. Um, out of the Take four the clubs that came in, yeah, us, Essendon, Hawthorne and Port. Essendon had a slight edge, like a couple of percentage points on us going into the finals, but they lost their game to Geelong and we won. So we've won seven, Essendon got six, Hawthorne and Port three and two and a half respectively. So of the four clubs that came in last year, we're the best one standing alone, which I think is a massive effort. And especially considering... Um, Essendon were very strong consistently throughout the year to now be at the top of that table, I think is pretty huge. Oh, superb. So the yeah. expansion ladder, is there some kind of prize or something? Is there a trophy? Pride, I think. That's it. We just get to be oh. proud. <laughs> but it's even more I impressive, think, right? Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's we can be even pride, proud. Prider? More. Prider. More proud. Prider. Because we didn't have a history of women's competitions in this That's state. Right. I think this is probably what you're going to say, Steve-O. Like, Essendon and Adelaide 
both have very strong women's competitions in their states prior to the AFLW existing. And we didn't have anything like that. And somehow we've managed to pull this off in a, a, two years. Yeah, it's given bizarre. the background, yeah, because like Sydney footy, it, it's it's not nearly as strong as some of the other states, and that's something that the Swans have had to deal with, and they've dealt with it remarkably well. I think I thought that it was going to be a massive like when they announced we were going to get a team in a couple of years ago. I thought, okay, this is going to be a long, long build because of the the distance between the the Sydney footy and the other state league and and local footy in New South Wales for women compared to Victoria and Queensland even. And look at what they've done in like in a year. It's it's crazy. It does help, and I maybe I don't want to be putting a wet blanket and stuff. But it does help that the majority of the jobs are in also in the city. <laughs> so getting players up here is not as hard as perhaps some other places like the Gold Coast, for instance. Is that fair? Or am I being am I being a downer? No, I think that's know. fair. I think that's a fair assumption, uh, especially but, like if you compare us to GWS. Yeah, but then if you take it one step further than that. Like we do need to support ourselves, right? So, we, our competition on the ground would need to be robust because and as the competition becomes more professionalized, as contracts get longer, as the women start to make more money, they can start choosing where they want to be, just like the men's do. And yeah, it, it's a different story then. But I, I think what this just shows is, like the way I think about it, is women, or actually, I should say, girls are going to want to play because the team that they grew up watching are doing well. If we had a team that didn't do well for a very long time, I think that would be a worse detriment to the local New South Wales comp. Us doing well and doing well so quickly and so many young girls going in this game, I think is they're more likely to grow up playing it, which is going to help build it. Obviously, it needs funding and all that stuff, which is a whole other thing, and the Swans do a lot to help that. But I think that is going to be... I think us doing well is better, more beneficial than any other thing that could possibly happen. Grassroots footy. Those little girls that we see at Henson Park, how many percentage of them do you reckon would be playing for the Inner West soon enough? Magpies. Like, or, or, <laughs> yeah, or at least asking to, you know, mum and dad, hey, yeah. I want to play some footy. Like, they'd be inspired for sure, right? Yeah, it's the same as the women's, uh, like the Matildas. Like the, the spike yeah. in people wanting to play soccer has gone up since the Matildas have done well. It's not going to be the same sort of spike, but it, I think it will have a spike of girls wanting to play footy in Sydney. That I think the bigger issue is the um, discrepancy between when us, when the women's season is on and when kids' footy is on. That's going to be the weird gap that they have to try and fill because it doesn't overlap. So they have to wait like nine months or however long it is and remember that they liked watching it before they can go and play it. <laughs> That's it. You're better off to sign them up on the spot. Maybe I'd have, to have a indoor, uh, indoor AFLW. Um, Steve-O, wouldn't the irony be that AFLW was the catalyst to start beating the NRL in some of its home grounds in like the inner west and whatnot? Could that be a possibility? Could that be the turning point to start really uh, having a, an edge over the NRL in some of these places? Yeah, I mean, you've got a massive, this is what we've talked about, I mean, for years with the AFLW and, and all women's sport that's, I mean, there are some sports like, like tennis and, and some of the, like, the fight sports like um, like MMA that 
that have a far greater level of female engagement at the elite level, especially. So you can actually turn on the telly and you can watch Serena Williams be a world champion and, and look up to that. But the football codes have been so far behind this for so long. And, and any sport that is able to harness that, I think, has a massive group of people that they can start to tap into very quickly, like very, very quickly. Like I noticed years ago, when the first season they had AFLW, I was back in Australia visiting um, visiting family and I went down to my local club and normally they had a first grade team for men, a reserve grade team for men and an under 18 team for men and then some juniors which were mostly men and a couple of girls sprinkled around. I went back there after there'd been one season only of AFLW which the Swans weren't even in um, at that point and all of a sudden there was 30 women between the ages of about 15 and 30 running around training and that was without even having a Sydney team involved, let alone one that's winning. So I think that there's huge potential. That's on the Central Coast. That's Rugby League heartland, by the way. Yeah. That's um, that's not yeah. like the Inner West or the North Shore or the Eastern Suburbs where AFL is much more established. That's the Central Coast. So there's huge potential. Yeah. I have a similar story where where I grew up in South Sydney, again, Inner Heartland, St. George area. Um, there was not a women's team growing up. I, if I wanted to play, I had to play with the boys and dad said no, so I didn't get to play footy. That was the be-all and end-all. Um, and I now have friends that have moved to that area who have kids and they have a fully established women's team now in this the club that I would have played for in ages four, under, sorry, under sixes, under eights, under tens and under twelves. They all have a team for women. And that's in the space of 10 years. Like, it's just phenomenal to mm. see and that's just going to keep going. The growth of the game is not it, it. AFLW is such an important aspect for the growth of the game, and I know yep. that that's probably the import. That's what they were teen for. That's what they were focused on when they started this. They've clearly lost their way. Their focus is off off kilter. But at least maybe this maybe in the next couple of years when we start seeing the fruits of this labor come through, then maybe the focus can come back onto it again. Um, and in the meantime, the girls just got to play their game and just enjoy it and make the most of it. And us as fans, we need to support it. Us as Swans fans, we need to get behind our girls and just get behind AFLW as we can because more football is good football. It'll, it'll just come good over time. So enjoy it while we can. Speaking of which, we have ourselves a quarterfinal. Uh, Adelaide uh, playing at Norwood next Saturday. Um, kickoff at 7 o'clock uh, Australian uh, central time which is a silly thing because it's that half an hour difference like let's not talk about it australian daylight savings time is 7 45 that's the real important aspect the real number um steve-o opposition watch what is the crow what have the crows been about this year what, what's going on oh, they dominate they they won nine out of ten games this year they finished minor premiers um they lost a only games they've lost all season they lost to brisbane by i think two points during the season and then they lost a final to Brisbane by three points. So their only two losses have been by less than a goal to a fellow top four team. Um, so they're, I mean, they're a formidable unit. They're really, really good. Um, they've been one of the best teams in AFLW since the beginning. We've never played them. So this will be our first chance to get up against them. But maybe on our side, and maybe in the back of their minds, is that they've lost three of their past four finals since they won that flag in season six. They've... They've lost twice to Brisbane in finals, once to Melbourne. So good teams and had a win against Collingwood in the finals last year. So so maybe it'll be in the back of their heads that they're vulnerable in finals. Okay, the teams they've lost to in finals are elite teams, but still they didn't win. And they'll be they'll be stinging to win one and they know that they don't want to get knocked out in straight sets and they certainly don't want to do it in, in two home finals back to back. So I reckon they'll be fired up to 
to get stuck into us and and you know they've beaten everyone in front of them this year. I, I went back through their common opponents. We played six common opponents this year, and you know every single one of them they've done what they should have done. And sometimes we've won, and sometimes we haven't. But this is a different prospect, I think, to any team that we played this year. This would be our toughest game since Brisbane in round three, where we got spanked by like ten goals. So um, it's going to be a tough game. But I think that the girls have have got something special in them this year. Swans girls. It's a totally different team than when we saw them play against Brisbane. There was a team back mm. then that was still kind of finding their feet, Polly, whereas now it seems like the team has grown so much, even just week in, week out. It's, they've yeah. learned so much. They're a totally different team. The outfit is better. They're better coached. They're better run. I don't know. How do you feel? Confident? Not confident? In between? Um, look, I'm always going to be slightly confident. I'm pretty... Um, <laughs> I'm pretty optimistic coming into these things usually. Um, I think they probably have a good shot. I think it's going to be closer than people think is probably the best way to put it. Probably not going to win, but I think it's going to be closer. I think people are going in there expecting it's going to be a whitewash. Adelaide are going to win by 10 goals. Swans don't even have a chance. But this team has found a way to beat so many teams that we didn't expect them to beat and win in ways that we didn't expect them to win. So I, I am not counting them out I don't I think that there is still a possibility they could win um but again I have Adelaide a very good team and most of the games I've watched them play this year have been against other top four teams I haven't really seen them play middle of the pack teams so yeah it's hard it it is hard to know and I think the other thing is Adelaide have a very very solid fan base they're probably the closest team to being on par with us in terms of how many fans they have so I think that home crowd advantage that Adelaide's going to have is going to have potentially a negative impact on us but again i i could still see us pulling it off yeah, and against the other good teams yeah. they've been solid too like they, they yeah. only lost those two games but their other ones they beat um they beat north melbourne they've beaten melbourne so they've been able to get wins against really really good teams i mean they also beat Essendon and made the finals they beat gold coast and made the finals um they're in really really good form i watched the game against brisbane last week and okay they didn't win but they looked pretty pretty lethal in parts yeah, they only lost by two. It wasn't like yeah. um, it wasn't like it was a smashing. You know, it was um, two two very good teams going up against each other, and they beat North by only a couple the previous week. So they're in like playing the good teams form as well, which is a bit scary. Well, what are we gonna see from there? Tell me about some of the. Oh, let's get stuck into our team first. Um, Beck Privatelli misses out. Of the game, she did her ankle in the first quarter. Uh, she was on. She was actually looked like she was on fire as well. And yeah, um, I don't know. Is it a? Is it just a sprain? Is it a break? I, I no, it's hear. it. It's a called a Liz Frank injury, which is where the toes meet the middle of your foot. Um, and I think she's torn a ligament in there. That's what she's done, which obviously very painful. And that's why they said she's out for the season because there's no way to recover from that quickly. Um, which is absolutely devastating for her and everyone involved because she's just looked so good this season and you know you don't want to see anyone get injured but that that's gonna hurt because she's like had a pretty tumultuous AFLW career, like mm. was in and out of the team in GWS and she looks like she's really found her home here, so the fact she's not gonna get to play in this final is pretty upsetting. Yeah, so what what's the background? I think she played half a game for Carlton 
game by two, then play the last game of the season, then gets dropped for a couple of years, then GWS picks them up, then she plays a season maybe for them. Then gets, and then gets dropped again. Then gets dropped again. Then ends up working for them on the side just for a while yep. before getting an opportunity at the Swans and then becoming... Oh, no, she went back again. She was there in 2020 oh. again. She played okay. again. And then um, and then the Swans, I think, were like, do you want to come over? And that's when she went over, I think, is what happened. Because she, uh, she didn't look too happy at GWS in those last uh, few games that she played over there. Also became the first goal scorer for the Swans. And the first goal scorer for the Swans in a final. So yep. she has her name well and truly stamped in into our history. History, yeah. And so, she's one of the oldest on the team as well, which I was thinking back. about, which um, I think her and Brooke are the two oldest, which I, it is nice having that finals experience there because she did play a couple finals at GWS. So, yeah, all around pretty, pretty upsetting and the, the worst thing that happened on the weekend. <laughs> It wasn't all sunshine and roses. <laughs> we, her mum, we bumped into her mum and had a quick chat to her. Linda, I think it was. Um, she was very sweet. And I actually asked her, I'm like, your, your daughter speaks so well. Like, has she had media training? And she was like, no, no, no. But she's been like a school captain, like sports captain for pretty much her whole life. Um, and so she's just kind of used to you know, talking to cameras or, or talking in front of a microphone. So she's just kind of, so that's her natural self. And I'm like, oh, wow, there you go. So she'll be back. She's, she, she's, she's got the grit. So we'll no doubt see her for next year. Um, but that does leave a bit of room. Um, mm-hmm. to, who do we think might come in? in her replacement it's hard because we don't really have any other tools no um so i I honestly don't know i don't really know what they're going to do um it's a bit of a worry to be honest (laughs) yeah i mean yeah i actually have no idea i mean the only thing anyone that i think that has had that kind of level of game time that you in in a veteran presence would probably be ruby sergeant wilson that's Um, yeah that's, about That's the only person I can think of, but, you know, I know how you feel about her. Oh, no, I think she's grand, but she just had that one uh, off game. and uh, But yeah. maybe that's what it takes. It just takes to just sit a week out and then get back into it again. So I have all faith in her that she'll be able to come in and do a job. So uh, like, Yeah. If the, if the and it might fits. even be, I don't know if we have any defenders waiting in the wings. I actually don't know who's available for selection anymore because everyone keeps getting injured and coming in <laughs> and out. But, yeah. um it could be a thing where McAvoy just does play forward the entire game. We have a defender come in if we just don't have any forwards available. Hmm. Yeah, and Hamilton uh, can play yeah, a more central role too. Like she can play more of that target role up forward, and then you can just bring in a smaller one and shuffle a bit, maybe, rather than um, rather than because because Lucy McAvoy is so good in the position she's playing, and she's able to sneak forward mm. occasionally, which is good. But then it disrupts the back line a lot when you start plucking key players out of the back line to fill holes in the forward yeah. line. Um, and, and Cynthia is, is very capable of playing that target role and bringing the ball to ground, and she gets the occasional one in the lead. I mean, Beck Privatelli has been amazing this year. Um, it's just a terrible time to lose her, really. But Yeah. yeah. Her work rate. Uh, Bella Smith, I think, uh, would probably get the start up there. I would I would like to think that maybe that she's a different decent spot for a different different player altogether. Yeah. Granted, but and then just see what we. It's hard as well. But, yeah. yeah, because we don't have a proper ruck. We kind of need Bella to be available for that as well. Mm. Um, 
So, yeah, it's all it's uh, going to be an interesting week for selectors, that's for sure. No, figuring out where everyone's going to end up. Yeah, yeah. If you think we didn't have Privatelli for three quarters of that game and still played really, really well, so I'm confident mm. that they can get it done. The, who wrote here Montana Burleson is probably a, a possibility to be available for this week. Yeah, um, in the incident report, they uh, shouted it out that she's looking good and she's back in training and she's going to test for this week. So, I look, I don't think she's going to come. I don't think she'll be good, but potentially, which would be great if she is available. Um, but we'll have to wait and see um, Thursday when the teams come out. Yeah. Oh, my God. Only a couple of days away. <laughs> uh, this week goes so quickly. Um, danger players, Steve-O, mate, who are we needing to keep an eye on? What the hell's going on in that team that's filled with a pretty solid chunk of AA players and, as you said, clearly the best team in the game, uh, in the regular season anyway? They were, yeah. I mean, the two that really did damage against Brisbane last week, and they they didn't get over the line on the win, but Ebony Marinoff is just so strong, wins so much of the football, uses the football really well. Um, maybe Kennedy, Tony Kennedy, goes and um, goes and tries to take care of her. And then Eloise Jones in the forward, she kicked four against Brisbane, and um, Brisbane didn't really have a clear answer for her. So our back line... Um, our key backs, but also the the midfielders pushing back to try and clog up her space. I think will will be really important because we don't want her kicking uh, a big lot of goals against us. Um, the so in the A team, um, you've got a, quite a few. Polly, the, and take it yeah. away with some of the names there. Yeah, so they have the most. They've got six entries into the forty four squad. Uh, so they've got Neve Kelly, Anne Hatchard, Chelsea Biddle, Ebony Marinoff, Daniel. Po- Potner and Caitlin Gould, all fantastic players. And look, I'm not going to lie, majority will probably make the 22. Um, you don't win, only lose one game and not get a very decent chunk of players in the in the 20 in the final 22. Um, but it's it, it's very hard when you look at that list compared to like normally when we write our danger players out, we have one or two. Now we're having to think about like seven players. It's a, a very <laughs> different game that we're going to have to think about this week. Um, but that's not to say that we can't, you know, uh, figure something out. Because if you think, like, when Chris and I were talking, there was one there was one uh, Suns player that had four goals. So if you're having one player, one forward have a good game, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. Um, so if we can find a way to hold down a couple of their forwards, because <laughs> they have a few good ones, um, you know, I think we put, could potentially do, do okay. The thing that scares me the most, though, is... For the past four games, we have not scored the first goal in the first quarter in the quarters. Like the first goal of each quarter has not been scored by us, um, and we've managed to pull the quarter back into our direction. But I think with a better team, we're probably going to struggle to to pull the momentum back in our in our favor. So I kind of hope they kind of come out swinging straight away, as opposed to letting them the other team kind of control the game and then getting into the swing of it. Yeah, that's a really good shout there. Steve-O, predictions, mate. Do you want to give it? You don't have to, of course. This is always uh, up to you. I think that it will take our absolute best effort to get a win. Um, I'm really just proud of the fact that they're there, but then to have to go and play what is a, an elimination final, they call it a semi-final, but it's elimination final. Like To have to go and play that in Adelaide against a multiple premiership winning team with half a dozen All-Australian squad members, 
away from home, a team that's only lost twice in the entire season, I think is, is probably going to be a step too far for the Swans team this time. But I don't think they'll disgrace themselves either. I think they'll give it a really good crack. And you never know, you might just might just get the first couple of goals and then make them chase us and anything can happen. Yeah, Polly, over to you. What do you think? If, only if you want to, no pressure. My predictions never have not come true ever once on this podcast. So I'm going to say um, Adelaide by 13. Yeah, I love it. I love the reverse <laughs> psychology. Um, yeah, all right, if I, I'll give a number two then. Since Polly was brave enough to do it, I'll give a number. I'll say Crows by 20. Okay. I'm going to say, because I'm more of a wuss than you two, I am definitely <laughs> going to say the girls are going to compete. Uh, I guarantee that much. And uh, no matter what happens at the end of the game, uh, I'm going to be super proud of them. And I know all of Swans fans will be as well. So I'll leave that there. I don't like predicting uh, games ever since the uh, uh, Essendon debacle of last season for the men. Um, that <laughs> killed me. Uh, and that was a shocker. But... <clears throat> Nonetheless, uh, we'll just leave that there. I think I'd be proud of them no matter what happens. Um, all right, look, one last thing. Um, AFL media is – we're in the middle of AFLW final season, and this is the ramping up of the big game. And, and every news, final has been fantastic. Every game has been amazing. that out as well. <laughs> yep. You've got a, you've got a storyline tale for the Swannies. You've got some, you know, one and two bashing each other up and, you know, and then a big upset for the, the, the favourites there. Uh, you've got this great game coming on. Aaron Phillips retiring, all these amazing things happening in the game for AFLW. And we're still being bombarded with the most inane, boring talk about which draft goes to what because it doesn't make a difference to anyone. We're all sitting, seeing these emails and chatter going around. And I know our Bob brethren, uh, uh, our crew, Zane and Noddy and all those blokes, they're keen on it. Don't get me wrong. They're going to keen, they're keen on it all year round. doesn't matter what's going on. But I don't care. So what is the AFL doing other than just shooting itself in the foot by not actively going out of a way and having some kind of blackout period to like, Make sure people are focusing on the finals because this is they're paying for this and they're not using it. Steve-O, mate, I know you like to get mad about this. Let's go. go. <laughs> I just like it. Just pisses me off, right? Like you've got, you've got what three more weeks of AFLW or three more weekends? Not even three more weeks. By the time I'm already halfway through one week, two and a half more weeks. Why can't they wait until after that to bloody drip feed their fixture release crap about whatever and speculate about which. 18 year old maybe comes to what club like i really don't care like you said mm. there's there's football going on and it just drives me mad how so much of the afl media is is fixated on stuff which isn't about the games that are currently being played like you said just give it two more weeks two and a half more weeks and then they can talk about draft picks their heart content do whatever they want but don't block up the media channels with this stuff when there's real footy being played polly what what's the point of having the AFLW if yeah. you're not going to be supporting it? Yeah, like the thing that stood out most to me, because like the draft has been at the same point forever and the draft doesn't annoy me so much because to be honest, I don't pay attention to it. So I don't see most of the media channels around it. The thing that upsets me more is, in, is drip feeding the fixtures. Why on the day where you have two finals, two finals with two, like with four Melbourne-based teams, not even teams that no one cares about, four Melbourne-based teams 
are you releasing the gather round fixtures the morning of that? That's the only thing people are going to talk about now. Like, they're just not giving the league a chance to be its own thing. And it feels like they have to babysit and bottle feed these idiotic, misogynistic fans that don't want to pay attention to the women's league and giving them something to pay attention to while this is going on. It's like, you realise if you don't give that to them to pay attention to, they kind of have to, by default, pay attention to the women's game and they actually maybe will watch a game and realise that it's actually really good and not shit as they all currently say it is. Like It's just they're not giving themselves the chance to let this thing that they've created that's actually really incredible shine and be its own light. Like I went back and I checked. When was the drip feed started for the men's season last year and it started on December 4th which the AFLW grand final I'm fairly certain was the week before that I could be wrong but I'm fairly certain it was the week before that why are they doing it differently this year like last year they did it at the same time as the um the soccer world cup and it was, did feel like they were trying to compete with that which was very embarrassing um but <laughs> why are you trying to compete with your own thing that you've made like what is the logic here there isn't any <laughs> what is the like it's what is the afl scared of like if they don't keep the, a, the aflm supporters entertained that they're just going to go start supporting bloody NRL or something. It's not going to like There's nothing happening there either. Not, it's only like there's other shit going on. I like. mean, there's cricket on. I mean, I know a lot of people like cricket. I know, Polly, you're a big cricket fan. I think cricket is the worst game going around. I am not paying attention to that. Oh, great, World Cup's on. I don't care. Like, great, that's cool. I'm happy. And, uh, and I hope Sri Lanka gets up. I don't know why I went to Sri Lanka. Oh, they're out, mate. It's, they're not in it. <laughs> oh, damn it. There you go. That's how much I've been paying attention. Um, but what are they? what is the AFL scared of? That they yeah. can't just, like, say nothing about AFLM for, like, two weeks and just see how it goes? I don't get it. Anyway, I don't know. That's us. We, 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 best, we best try to move on. We can go on this for a while. Um, hey, the AFL Grand Final is not always, for anyone out there that didn't know this, AFLW Grand Final is not just locked in at the MCG for the next 250 years, right? Like I'm presuming that's how long it is. I don't know. I, I actually think it's like it's a, years. It's 75 but, years. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's a long time. Years. And they got makeup ones. Why? Yeah, those two years where because of the pandemic they had to do them in bloody Perth and Brisbane and then the MCC got like a compensation extension of their freaking oh contract on it God. to make up for those two years. Like, give me a break. I, I don't yeah, – anyway. Uh, so anyway, the, the way that it works with the AFLW is it does go to the team that is highest ranked that plays in the grand final. That's the way I understand it. Unless I read this no. Spot. No. So that's what's come out today. This is worse than so t- Yeah, so breaking news, basically. I mean, breaking as of 12 hours ago, but breaking news, basically. Um, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> noise in the background. Go. Um, they have announced, so what normally was supposed to happen, and it's worked this way for the last eight years, the team that does finish highest on the final ladder that plays in the final gets that as their home final. However, the first time I, this might be must be the first time ever that the team that ranked highest lost in the first round of the finals. So they've said now that if Adelaide make the final, they will not be hosting. The hosts will be either North or Brisbane or whichever team finishes higher at the rest because 
it's a bit complicated because Adelaide lost that first final. So they have basically, unless um, Brisbane and North lose, yeah, yeah, but unless North and uh, Brisbane lose, they, the final will not be hosted in Adelaide anymore. Um, it's basically, it's still the same sort of thing. The highest team, the, the highest ranked team will get the final, but they've changed the way the rankings work. So now the teams that win the um, first set of finals are considered the highest ranked team. The weird thing is they announced this this week because they obviously weren't expecting Adelaide to lose. <laughs> yeah, they, this is what they, they, they had. Because the, that, that what you just described to me sounds like a very sensible way to do it. But the fact that they hadn't thought of that until season eight, like, come on. Yeah. What are we okay? So just quickly between you two, would you prefer to use the rankings of the final? So, for instance, if Adelaide lost their final, then they they forfeit the opportunity to the next team, I guess, as long as they go through the finals. Or would you rather the rankings in the regular season at the end of the regular season to be the order in which the grand final would be played? The Steve, first I, one. I might pass to you first. Which one? Yeah, yeah. The, the first one you said, like whichever the, the, the whichever the highest ranking preliminary final winner is should get to host the grand final. I Hold agree. It. You agree? Yeah. I disagree I with both of you. I'll fight just both of you. I'll fight <laughs> later. I reckon we need, to find, we need to find a way to incentivize teams from minor premierships. For minor premierships. Yes. And I also yeah, at least thing, you can do something there. And it's easy to explain is I guess what I'm saying as well. Yeah. The thing I don't like about it is I, I think Adelaide made a massive effort to try and win that minor premiership off Melbourne. Melbourne lost to Brisbane, so they, they were like really wanted to win that minor premier so they could have the home final. And then I, a week later, they're like, actually, don't worry about the fact you won the minor premiership. You lost to Brisbane, so you're not going to get a home final anymore. Um, I don't like that about oh, it. Hang on. I, I think I've misunderstood how it works then. So if Adelaide beats the Swans and then goes ahead yes. and they'll flip into the Victorian side of the draw because it was quite nice, quite nice how the draw was split between Victorians and non-Victorians for the first couple of weeks. I enjoyed yep. that. So so the Crows will go into the Victorian side of the draw and then yep. say they beat North Melbourne and then win yep. that. Then they don't get to host the grand final. Is that right? If Brisbane beat the team on the other side of the finals. Oh, that's if weird. If Brisbane win, Brisbane will get to host it. If Melbourne, I'm assuming, will be win, then Adelaide will host it. So they have like a new finals ladder type yeah. system. All right. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Steve, <sighs> do you want to change it? Are we both fighting Polly in the, in the car park ladder? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought okay. that yeah, the way I understood it was that whoever wins their prelim final just because you'd lost it, oh, I don't care, bloody AFL. It's, <laughs> it's silly. It's, it just gets up. <laughs> It's silly. It's it's weird. It's wait till next year if you're going to make this change. Areas. Yeah, I mean, make the ch- if you decide to make the change for next year now, fair enough. But to change it like at the, oh, that's just wild. Uh, that's it's, this is genius AFL though, because what they what they plant the AFL, they're smart, right? They they know that in the top clubs they've got a Brisbane team and Adelaide team. They plan to turn them on themselves, fight so much about eligibility. The AFL just says, "Oh, you know, it's probably just easier if we do it in Melbourne every year, so no one fights." And then in three years' time, <laughs> we've got to deal with the MCG, you know, until everyone's yeah. long, long gone. Steve, that's wishful thinking. There's <laughs> yeah. no way the MCG want to host an AFLW yeah. game. Yeah, well, Icon Park, <laughs> fucking yeah. Yeah. Icon Park for the next seven hundred years goes out to them. Fucking, uh, locked it in. Oh man, yeah. and then and then Carlin can finally get to have a home grand final one. <laughs> oh my god! All right, well that's uh, another fantastic uh, opportunity for AFL headquarters to show the uh, 
just the, the abundance of brain power heading over that part of the world. Um, AA squad was named. We do have some Swannies in it. This is, I know it's been a long podcast, but hey, we're bloody celebrating. We've won our first final. We're allowed to take as long as we want. You're not my mum. So Malloy, Gardner, Morfitt, all named in the top 42 AA squad, extended squad, of course. Not too surprising, I guess. I, I would have presumed to see those names in there. But at the same time, I was quite surprised that uh, that we had as many, despite thinking that we should have. I don't know. Why am I surprised? I just feel that they wouldn't have paid attention. Well, are you, which way are you surprised? Are you surprised we didn't have – like we should have had more or that we that we got three? I'm surprised actually that Ali Morfitt made it despite not playing the last three games. Yeah, I feel like she's not going to make the final squad. That's my my sinking feeling. I think she still deserves to, but I think that they'll take that as well. She didn't play as many games, not much as much to go off. There was Um, a lack of dominant rucks this year, really. If you're putting together a 42-player team, then she had to be, I think, in the best 40, 42. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, my Gardner, suspicion. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they were never not going to make. It would be an absolute ridiculous showing if they didn't make the forty-two. Oh, I they, think it's going to be an absolutely they, ridiculous showing if they don't make the eighteen. Oh, they'd be fired. <laughs> Twenty-two. Sorry, not by me. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, general crowd, of course. Go. Um, um, go sorry. Go I, to me, I was just going to say, um, all eighteen teams had someone in the squad, which was, I think. Uh, Chris Rudan, that's the first time ever. And to me, it seemed like they, they were like, okay, we want to have six Adelaide players, five Melbourne players, five Brisbane. Like, they knew how many they wanted per team and then just filled the holes instead of finding the best players. I could be wrong about that. I'm willing to, you know, someone to debate me about it. But it's like, I think that there are people who played really good seasons that missed out, which was always going to happen. But, like, we didn't have a single defender. How is that possible? Like, yeah, how, how Brenna Tarrant is not in that team? Come on. Like, yeah. It's... Yeah, and and I think and, the whole all Australian, honestly, in the women's and the men's, is by and large an exercise in trying to please everybody to a certain extent. It's like a political exercise almost. Mm. Um, and there's no way that when you've got teams that barely win a game, they deserve players in the best squad, and then you've got teams who've had really really good seasons who can't get some of their best players in. It's not an all Australian team. It's like a let's just give everybody a a badge type thing. Yeah, participates mm-hmm. a badge for the teams to at least put someone on the field. Uh, Lucy McAvoy is another one that I feel would have should have been high, like up in there yep. probably, but between her and Tarrant, um, yeah, it would have been a tough Tar- one for me. Tarrant, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, twenty-two under twenty-two. Who wants to talk about this one? Yeah, um, we had five entrants into twenty 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 two, which is incredible. Um, so it's Heads, McAvoy, Morfitt, Gardner, and Hamilton. Which, if you're like me, you're reading that, you're like, "How? What? Those people are under twenty <laughs> two? <laughs> which was my first reaction, um, especially McAvoy and Gardner. It's crazy to think that those two are under twenty two. Um, this is a fan voted award, so it's not based on like they pull about. I don't know. I think it's like a hundred players, and then you vote on the your best twenty-two. Um, so, which is weird because there are twenty-one players in a, a women's team, not twenty-two. So I don't know why they didn't make it twenty-one under twenty-one. Yes, twenty-one under twenty-two. For they'd be too confused. They couldn't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but they, can't, they it, kind of just recycle the same website that they do for the AFL. Uh, isn't Tarrant will, will... also that age? Hang on, how old is Brenna Tarrant? Isn't she twenty-two? 
suppose isn't she in the team? She she probably is actually. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, she is. Her she, birthday. She just turned twenty two last week, third of November two thousand and one. Yeah. her birthday. So she's twenty two. So she got shafted twice. Yeah, she. Um, I've noticed only just now is getting a lot of. I would say a lot. It's AFLW. Not a lot of media coverage, but people are starting to pay attention to her. Yeah. And I think that was probably just too late into the season that people mm-hmm. realised how good she was. That's why she's been shafted on both seeds. Um, and just to clarify, I did say Hamilton. It is Cynthia Hamilton, not Lexi Hamilton, just to yeah. <laughs> make it clear. Because we do have two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that look, we've got the prizes for the girls for all their efforts. Um, and we've got the prizes for the young girls, of course, for... Their growth in the game, although Tarrant being, as Steve has said, shafted in both of them. But next year, AA, let's lock it in. Her and Sophia Hurley, big seasons ahead. But we this week coming up, um, if you're a Swans fan, you're heading to the game, make all the noise you can. The girls have been very clear that it brings a lot of joy to them. It makes them feel it. It makes them fight harder. Um, and we're going to just enjoy this week and enjoy the game because no one thought we'd get this far. And if the girls go an extra line, my God, how far can we go? But let's just take it one week at a time. Um, to both of you, any one last thing you want to say? Any support to the girls or something? Yeah, I'm a bit ashamed that I can't get down there this weekend. Um, I would have absolutely loved to go on down, but just play your heart out. I have full faith in you and I just want to see you do as well as you can. I don't want to be have a frustrating game like I did kind of with Frio, so just play as well as you can. <laughs> Steve, go ahead. Yeah, look, this game's the reward, hey? Like, it's the reward for really strong season getting to play a big final against one of the absolute dominant teams in the last seven, eight seasons of AFLW, so it's it's something to be proud of, I think, and, and I'm just looking forward to watching... That's it. Well, thank you both for enjoying this moment with us. First happened once and we are here. So that wraps up the potty. Um, Sorry, go ahead, Polly. Do you want to say that? I just wanted to say a happy 100th episode. Oh, yes. I almost forgot. Mm. 100 episodes. Steve-O. Oh, far out. Where time is gone. Uh. Yeah, and I should shout out to Nod too because this this whole thing from the beginning was his idea. Like he he was the Mm -hmm. one who was the real driving force for getting this started three-ish years ago, whenever it was, and I, I didn't think we'd get to 100 for sure. So, yeah, wow. Yeah, good on. Uh, Noddy, love you, mate. Uh, Noddy, of course, with uh, a baby and up to his eyeballs in uh, lack of sleep and everything else, but uh, he'll be around again. And, uh, yeah, he's just paying attention to his draft and doing all that boring stuff. But, yeah, 100 episodes. <laughs> Thank you all for listening in. Uh, it is uh, – Momentous for a bunch of reasons, of course, what the girls are doing on the ground and, of course, the growth of the party. So if you want to support us, all you got to do, just give us a like and say hello every now and then. That That's more than enough, and we just appreciate to be involved in the Swans crew. So if you're in Sydney and you want to watch the game with other Swans fans, we guarantee that the Tudor in Redfern will be showing the game. Well-supported uh, Swans club pub. They will absolutely be showing the game with the sound on. Uh, Sydney Siders, that is a unique thing. Uh, maybe some of the Melbourne Melbourneites out there probably don't appreciate that, but the Sydney Siders, it's important to get the freaking sound on for AFL. It's tricky to get. And uh, the Tudor is the AFL primo um, venue in Sydney at the moment. So get out there. Until then, we'll see you at the Tudor or at the at, at Adelaide. Until then, up the bloods and can you, Swanee? Can you, Swanee?